Welcome to this episode of Tell Me More, where we deep dive into the pastor's whiteboard session during his sermon yesterday. We talk about partnerships, but we really deep dive into uh, APEST, missional living. What is our church going to do to be the church that Jesus wants us to be in this new era? So we talk about all of it. It's a fascinating conversation to me, and I'm glad you're here listening. Okay, well, we are here with Tell Me More. My name is Luke Stair. I have Katie Reed Hodges and Dr. Dennis R. Wiles with uh, me here in the studio. And look at us. Nothing happened on Sunday. It was very day. run of the mill. Was I even here? Just oh, yeah, day. I was. Was it memorable? D Dub pulled out the whiteboard, oh okay. rolled up his sleeves, so rolled out the whiteboard. Let's talk about the whiteboard. And said, we're having a strategic session. That's right. How about yeah, it? let's talk about it. How about it? Isn't that something? I, you, yes, I enjoyed it. <laughs> Tell us everything, Dr. Wells. How, <laughs> Not do, just how more. did we get to that Tell point? Tell us yeah. everything. Yeah, forget well, the Well, we also had uh, dedicating these babies, you know, which Big was Sunday. incredibly sweet. And Lily, that we're commissioning, commissioning blessing Lily. on her trip to mm. Whom I we say love. trip, sojourn for a year. It's not really a trip. Yeah. <laughs> She's worked very hard to get to this and point. She has. So, grateful for that. But, you know, uh, we have, as you both know, we have, as a staff, been in this long conversation about what is going on around us mm-hmm. and what has happened to our society and what's going on within us, what's happening in this church. And um, and so we've – and we also have been reading and, um, you know, I would probably go back to, for me, a little bit would predate you guys, um, but we, um, you know, when we started trying to figure out – um, what's happening to the culture a few years ago, you know, we actually brought Andy Crouch here to do a staff retreat. I think that's before your time. No, I was Kate, here for Andy. Here? I was, but it was, I was new. Pretty new. Yeah. I was not here, but for the listener, yeah. Andy Crouch wrote a book, very famous called Culture Making. Right. So we asked him to come and talk to us about that, you know, about what does it mean to make yeah. culture. And how you influence yeah. local, local, local. I, I would probably say that's really when it all started and that was probably 2016, if I had to guess. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Started ginning in me. Yeah, 15 or um, 16. Contrary to the worship book that I wrote, which was 2005, by the way. We did the research. I was a little, I was oh, a little off on five. that. So yeah. you have been listening you, for a while. You, you, were, while you were so sure it was 15. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's Ta- when I redid it. Ta- I redid uh, it. Time is a tricky, Second yeah. tricky edition. thing. Yeah, so, that's right. But yeah, anyway. I was here for Andy Crouch. So there's a curiosity so, about just yeah. how we influence right. our culture. And Andy's critique of, of, um, of us criticizing culture all the time and kind of kind of living antagonistically kind of uh his you know um his take on faithful presence and some of the ideas that have been presented by others was basically well make a culture then figure out a way to do that be culture mm-hmm. makers yeah so well, I would tell y'all that's probably when all this started ginning in me yeah, and how about that? so then we end up bringing Todd Bolsinger here and Scott McKnight in between uh, the two Scott McKnight be, with yeah. with questions about the how to actually share the gospel in this culture. Yeah. And then Todd Bolsinger talking about adaptive change within the churches. So all of that yeah. is kind of coalesced. Yeah, this, this did moment. not no, pop up out of nowhere. Right. This I, has agree. Been a years I agree. Long conversation. But there is something, from my observation, in the in the water yes. in the past few months. Correct. I have my own speculations. But that's gotten our attention more. Yes, more it it's peaked. Yes. I think yes. coming out of COVID, it's also a part of the situation here. Um, and church is just having to reevaluate pretty much everything. Um, and so, yeah, you start putting all that together, something that's been ginning for a long time in me. And, and not only that, my understanding of the gospel, the whole gospel for the whole world, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's been brewing in me for a long time. And now these conversations have kind of bubbled to the top. And then we've had other voices speaking to us, you know, people like um, uh, Alan Hirsch and John Rittner and others that are um, oh, newer. A, yeah, just kind of somewhat newer voices so, in the conversation. And I don't want to derail us, but I would guess the list, those aren't as familiar of names for the no, listeners, no, for our people. Not, so, and, but, and even to me. But I'll just, know? I mean, just to tease them, mm-hmm. when we talk about Alan Hirsch at the end of the sermon, we might talk about this more in here. When we start talking about apest and releasing the apes, that's kind mm-hmm. of Alan Hirsch language. That's right. Mm-hmm. When you talk about um, the little paradigm of 
first worship, then community, then mission. Mm -hmm. Let's reverse it from mission to community to worship. Mm -hmm. That's Rittner. John Rittner. So anyway, historically before that would have been actually a hallmark of the Fresh Expressions movement in the UK with a correct reversal of that model. Right. So there's a whole lot. Go to the people. There's a whole lot swimming (laughs) around in the water. And so, you know, as a staff, we've been another thing that's also a part of the conversation is we have been trying as as leaders on the staff, we have been trying to be the best stewards um, of the resources that God has provided for our church. And by that, I mean people, finances, facilities, staff, whatever. And so um, we have felt obligated to address where do we want our staff pouring their primary energy as well. So when you put all that together, this is this has just been um, kind of a, 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 a strategic conversation that we've been having that I would say dates back at least to when Andy Crouch came. So I'm, I'm mm. saying seven or eight years ago. Yeah. But it's it's reached a little bit of a pinnacle, if you will, I'm, a little I'm, bit of an apex. I was smiling because uh, it's probably when I came to staff, which I'm joking. Yeah, I am, when you yeah, arrived, Katie. The timeline works yes, out. Katie is an yes. impetus. No, but I'm afraid that might be correlation, not yeah. causation. I just got I got here to watch it all. Yeah, you, you, you've I'm been not, positively irritated. I'm not you know, the disruptor I wish I was. <laughs> but um, so, you know, I'm, I've just been in these conversations with you two, as y'all yeah, know. Sure. We've been talking about some of these things. Well, and there is, and I'm not saying this is this is more just for information for our people. Uh, there is a newly formed engagement team, which is with Luke, mm-hmm. partnered with Ashley, Kurt being their shepherd. I'm in the room, mm-hmm. the four of us. Mm-hmm. We are talking about this more often. That's right. Right. I mean, we're mm-hmm. there's a team on your staff that's mm-hmm. daily, I mean, weekly meeting, but daily texting and thinking about, just thinking exactly. about these things. Right. So there's attention being paid. So it's it's just stimulated a lot of thought, conversation, discussion. Uh, I would say biblical analysis, you know, what is what mm-hmm. do we learn from the scripture? What has the church historically done? And uh and so, you know, I was out walking early Thursday morning <laughs> and uh which um I've gotten to where I do a little more regularly, just praying about everything and how I felt led to share things. And and I knew there was a conversation I wanted to have with the church about making sure our people understand who we are actually connected to, just our context in ministry, which I've, which to me as the shepherd of this place was important information to make sure our church has because um, I think that not everybody has that information as accessible as it used to be. So I felt compelled to that. But beyond that, I also felt like, you know, I need to let the church in on what we're all talking about mm. and what we're praying through and what's going to be a part of Things like staff retreat and yeah. what about 2024? And uh, so we start putting all that together and I thought, you know, I felt like the Lord impressed upon me. Why don't you just invite the congregation in as if we were in a staff meeting, so to speak, and we're staring at a whiteboard, which we do sometimes, and just start writing these ideas. Y'all both have done it. Um, you know, you start I have written writing a whiteboard or two. <laughs> things down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Map and, it out. Um, Helps try to look it at it yeah. and get a visual, and but also just to stimulate conversation, a little bit of a different setting. And um, I, I think it's a good shepherd to move to say, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about this enough. The church needs to be let in on this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Exactly. Let's not run off without them. Correct. As a staff. Right. It's kind of like when um, you know, in Todd Bolsinger's book, um, where he talk, in Canoe in the Mountains, he talks about how you know you're making these adaptive changes if that's what you're choosing to do. And, of course, the imagery in that book is, you know, Lewis and Clark and their expedition team. And they're all expert canoers. Right. That's their gift. And they they get to the point to where they, they think they're reaching the head of the Missouri River. And they've been going upstream on the Mississippi River. And they think, well, once we get there, everything's going to flow downstream to the Pacific Ocean. And yeah. we'll just kind of float our way <laughs> to the ocean. And they became the first white people to stand there and stare that down and realize that in between, not only was there no river to float down, no. they were staring at the Rocky Mountains. Peaks of so many yes, mountains. that they'd never seen before. Yeah. Not and, just one uh, big mountain. Yeah. And one of them put in their in their uh, journal, not just mountains, but horrible mountains. Yeah. And so the question was, well, what do we do? And then what well, the idea was, well, let's canoe the mountains, so to speak. In other words, let's take our skills and apply them to a completely different context. And Bolsinger says, I feel like the Western church is standing at the head of the Missouri River, so to speak. And you're staring at the Rocky Mountains, and what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, and you can't just paddle harder. Right, that's kind of one of the big yeah. lines so, in there. 
So, you know, thinking all of that's kind of in the mix here. And so I just want to invite our church into a conversation of, okay, we're staring at something right now and it just looks and feels different. And so I just felt compelled to have a conversation, but I wanted to start the conversation with our context that we're not in this by ourselves. You know, we're, we're, we're not alone in this journey and we have, and we are doing some things well. There are some strategic connections that we need to celebrate. That's why I wanted them to hear these reports from West Africa. You know, we've had, you know, over 3,000 salvations just this year. So let's be grateful to God for that. It is. However, at the same time here, I mean, look in the Western church right now. Just I'm talking about in America, North America, in Europe, and find any positive sign statistically that would make you feel like we're making headway. I, I would tell you, you would be hard pressed in the Western church, which is fascinating. You think Europe has had Christianity for 20, very, very, very 20 centuries. <laughs> okay. All of them. Um, All of them. Right. Yeah. And we've had it for what, five centuries, I guess. Okay. Or four centuries, rather. So where are we in this? You know, and what have we learned and what are we what are we struggling with? Well, we are facing, I think, one of the biggest challenges that that the church in the West has had to face. And I would say particularly the church in North America has had yeah. to face. And so I just thought, you know what, I want to invite the church in. But I felt like to do that in the context of a normal sermon would not have the impact. And so I decided to give you several visuals Sunday morning, yeah. one, a whiteboard on the platform, me with my sleeves rolled up, so to speak, mm. the, the image yeah. of we're going to have to go to work. Yeah, pulpit. Yeah. Not no a pulpit, pulpit, but a table. That's I mean, right. there's we're a... have to get our hands dirty here to figure this out. And um, and so I found it very engaging. And um, and I mean, you know, I'm um, I'm I'm living with it all the time. And I, I'll be honest with you, I felt a great relief Sunday morning. I felt like, OK, I've shared this burden <laughs> with people that I trust and that I love. And now let's decide, what do we do now? And so this was just the opening of many conversations, as y'all know. This mm-hmm. is this An is invitation. going to require yeah. us now to kind of put our hands on the plow, so to speak, but also on the drawing board to think through, okay, so what do we do? And the feedback I've gotten, I've gotten some feedback already from church members, texts and emails, or just, you know, conversations. Tell us more. And and it's all been very positive, you know, from every age group, you know, people um, saying, okay, things like, I'm in, I get it, or or comments like, okay, I have no idea what we're supposed to do, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. but but I want to be in on trying to That's help figure out accurate, what right? we're supposed to do. Yeah. Great. And I'm probably in that category, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure about everything just yet, um, but as as um, I've tried to share Sunday morning, I I know what I have. I have apostolic tendencies. I do. I like to start new things. I mean, at our church, mm-hmm. I feel like I've helped lead us to do those things. Yeah. But I have the heart of a shepherd, and I can't help it. You know, I just, I just do. There's something inside of me. You know, like when Bolsinger says, um, "Okay, you're going to lead this adaptive change in your church." You know, you're at the, you're at the head of the river. You're looking at this. Let's go. And he says, "But you know, you're not Lewis and Clark." And he said there was one one of the pastors who listened to one of his seminars and came up to him and said, man, this all sounds great, Todd. And you want me to take the mountain? And Todd said, yes, take the mountain. And he said, well, I'm about to take the mountain with grandma because mm-hmm. my church has grandma yeah. in it. You know, and I don't mean that disparagingly, but his point was, yeah, that's one of his chapters. we're a church. Yeah. We, we <laughs> and so for me, as I prayed that through and I spent in July, a little bit of an odd July this year, obviously not my normal Rhythm Not what July. you expected. No, you know, with my daughter getting diagnosed with breast cancer, it was kind of a much more contained familial yep. time. But I still spent time praying and over uh, us. And that's where I landed on this idea of together, you know, and, and that imagery is influenced by by the research Todd did and his feedback, because if we're going to do this, well, we're going to do it together. Yep. We're going to do it with all of us. And Sunday was and, a good inviting. Right. Of everybody to be together right. in this. And I also felt, I'll be honest with you, when I was walking Thursday morning, I was praying over those families. You know, I'd gotten the email from who I was going to be here and who was dedicating their babies. And I just started praying for them. And then I got to thinking, well, so we are going to have a church for them when they're adults, right? I mean, we, right? I mean, we are, mm-hmm. right? 
then I got to thinking, well, my home church yeah. is no longer in existence. So if I wanted to take my grandkids to a worship service just to go visit for old times' sake at my home church, well, I can't do that. It It's done. It's closed. Well, that, I'll be honest with you, that kind of sent a little bit of a tremor up my spine a little bit mm-hmm. about, wow. Good, good churches. And mine was a aren't good invincible, church. Right? That's right. Yeah. And now I believe in, y'all know, theologically, I believe in the church with the big C, of course. Oh, it's I God's do. church. We yes. Can't, my goodness. We can't Jesus. snuff it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the church will not be overcome. Yeah, I dare you to try to overcome it. You can't. And uh, tell the devil that. You know, yeah. do what you want to do. But you know what? You're going to go to hell. That's what's going to happen to the devil. And the church is going to survive. But, but this one. But local churches. Come and go. Yeah, you just, you know, you've got to figure out a way to live in your era. You can't yeah. live in another era. It's good. Well, I, I don't, you can. <laughs> I don't think this is your stance, but I don't know that anyone in this room is looking to do hospice ministry for this Correct. church. That's right. That's just not who we are. So, I don't know, y'all. I just, it was, a, it was an interesting sensation for me because it was like I was on the turn to go back to my house and um, I'm not walk like three and a half, four miles that day. But I'm going to tell you that last half mile was a quicker pace than the first half uh-huh. mile because I was like, well, I got to go talk to my team. I've got to, I got to, I got to go to the church. And I didn't know what y'all were doing. I had no idea everybody was. And so I went to the we were engagement all quite, quite team. Scattered. Yeah, yeah. The normal engagement team meeting. I went to that <laughs> yeah, room. Yeah. One of us was sick. Yeah. One of us was working on a That's project. Right. And Ashley was there by herself. Yeah. We were meeting in a different room. Y'all yeah. were somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, I walk yeah. in on Ashley and she's working on missions. Month. She's looking yeah. at missions. Month. And I said, Hey, I need to tell you something. This coming Sunday, <laughs> we're going to talk about this in front of the whole church yeah. and I'm going to have a whiteboard. I'm, That's what we're doing. And she's, yeah. Ashley's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And I said, Where are Luke? Where's Luke and Katie? Yeah. What are they doing? And she said, Well, I think they're meeting in Katie's house. I said, I'll be right back. I leave. She, and meanwhile, <laughs> as the elevator ticks, she calls us. <laughs> Heads up. Heads up. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. Yeah. I was excited. Um, yeah, I just felt like, okay, I need to share it with the people that have helped stimulate all this in the first place. And so, you know, um, it was a very meaningful, I think, I would tell you all, I believe a pivotal day for us because I think it sounded a message or sent a message into the heart of our church that, okay, y'all. We, we are going to respond to this moment, and, do you th- and we're going to do it together. Yeah, and do you think the response, we kind of talked about this, I guess for the church, we'll let you in, we don't have a full-fledged full fledged plan. No, we do not. But the response is humility, experimentation, mm-hmm. just the acknowledgement that we do need to change, even mm-hmm. if we don't quite know how, mm-hmm. and, yeah. that, and that we want to do it together. Mm-hmm. I think about some of those experiments, you know, my role is... Experimental itself. I mean, the purpose of my job is to mobilize this church to impact Arlington with the gospel. That's if you were to pull up my job description. description. That's the first sentence. I believe I typed that many, many years ago. I think you did. Yeah. Um, It's pretty good. I I like that. It's pretty good. I'm not so proud of my little project to say that it's the be all end all, but it's an experiment in this direction. So I'll do my shameless plug. Even if you're not a part of a table group, first Sunday of every month, we're teaching missional skills. At 530 in the Fellowship Hall, we'd love to have you there. You don't have to be in a group. We're going to teach you how to understand your context this month. Is that what this month is? That's what November will be. November 5th, 530 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. You have child care register, please. Yeah. Um, But you think about the first one you had. We had 100 people there. We did. It was great. From all age groups. And pretty much, I would say, the demography, pick a category of our church, was in the room. And it was very helpful, a good conversation about listening prayer and the value of prayer and what that means to us. And and really, that's what I called the church to Sunday morning, is to pray. You yeah. know? And and that's what I would say right now to my church family. That's what I would say. You know, when, when you look at the church in the book of Acts, that's what you find them doing all the time because they didn't know what to do. I mean, no. There they are. <laughs> they're, just, they're, they're overwhelmed by their cultural surroundings. But they were convicted, and they just spent time praying, you know, and seeking God's wisdom. And sometimes even, you know, Luke will say the building even shook, you know. They got these affirmations from God. But I think that's where we start, really, is to pray. And um, and and we've been doing that as a team. You you mm-hmm. helped lead that this morning. There were steps when Katie and I had to go take care of something this morning. But, you know, people are praying here on this staff, just asking the Lord, what are you saying to us? Yeah. What do you want us to do? What do you want me to do? That's what I would encourage our listeners to do, you know, to start with prayer. God's really mm-hmm. good at, you know, at leading us. And he's working right now, you know, whether we sing that song, God's working, whether we see it or whether we know yeah. it or whatever. Yeah. Well, he is working. 
Even when and, I don't see it, yes, he's working. he's working. Yeah. And so we need to join him where he's working. Absolutely. that's where he's at work, and that's where the power is. And I think that imagery, you know, from Keller, of course, Keller didn't invent it. Paul talks about it. But the idea of being a gardener, this whole idea that, yeah, we're, we're planting seeds. Well, God, but God is the one that <laughs> we have to have. We have to trust him. There's yeah. a partnership with him. It's mm -hmm. mis mis mysterious. He's the one that controls the weather. He's the one that puts the right things in the soil. He's the one that's loaded the seed, if you will, so to speak. But we've got to demonstrate some skill. I mean, gardeners do have skills. It's work. You think about it. You, you, you do think about where you're going to plant and when you're going to plant and how you're going to take care of it and all that. Um, but you also, um, <laughs> you also have to trust God, you know? And, um, and so I, I think I've told you all this story before. It's one of, it's, it's the most practical prayer I've ever heard in a church it was when I was in Oklahoma many years ago, pastoring a church with all these peanut farmers. And, um, if you know anything about peanuts, they grow underground. Mm -hmm. When it comes time to harvest them, you invert them. You know, you have this, they call it digging the peanuts and you lay the peanuts on top of the ground. And then you have to let them dry out a little bit because there's moisture content in the peanuts. And once they, once they get to a certain point of dehydration, if you will, then the threshing machine will come through and will, you know, will thresh the peanuts, but you can't do it when they're still wet. Well, the challenge is they do that in November. And in Oklahoma, where I was, is a little further north than we are, and you get frosts, and they call them killing frosts there because if you get a bad frost, those it'll damage the peanuts and completely ruin uh. the crop. Well, one Sunday night, I'm up there, you know, getting ready to come home, finish my sermon. The peanuts are dug, and there is a terrible frost predict predicted for the next day. And so a Sunday night, church is over. And um, we had a guy in the church named Paul Hallam. Paul was the chairman of deacons. He was the he was the treasurer. He was the janitor. He, he was everything yeah. <laughs> and great guy. I love Paul Hallam. And um, but he ran the co-op where all the farmers brought their peanuts. And I just said, Paul, we need to go. Would you would you pray for us as we leave? And he stands up and here's how he started his prayer. He said, Lord, you know good and well we already dug those peanuts. And these boys have got their peanuts laying in the field. And if you could just see your way clear to just give us a little bit of time, a little bit of time before you send that frost. We'll get these peanuts in in the, uh, in, in if you just let us. And y'all, it didn't freeze. And mm -hmm. those boys did it. But I'll never forget how he started that prayer. Lord, you know good and well we already dug those peanuts. And I thought, now that yeah. is an honest <laughs> prayer right there, brother. You know, well, but you know what? They had done their work. Yeah. You and know? I think... And so there's something about the mystery of it. And the gardening. I, I, I tried to grow a garden a couple times in my life I have, but during COVID because it was spring when mm -hmm. it happened and there's nothing else to do. You're at home with your dogs or whatever. <laughs> and I'm, I guess my take on that is that gardening does, you know, you're not going to get it right the first season. Mm -hmm. I mean, no. not, not that you can't in this spiritual life we're talking right. about in the metaphor, but right. practically right. you actually get better the longer you do mm -hmm. it, you know. You do. Mm -hmm. Listening. And I mean, forget the metaphor, but listening to God. Understanding the prompting of the spirit, mm -hmm. the conversations, the natural mm -hmm. rhythm of it, your own voice, and all of it. I mean, you know, that's all mm -hmm. learned. Mm -hmm. Same with, with gardening. Is. Like, I tried to plant watermelon, and it turns out my garden is all wrong for watermelon. <laughs> and I didn't know that. And, you know, I didn't know right. why the tomatoes weren't weren't uh, getting to fruition and something was eating them. And, you know, but right. I'd do if I did 10 seasons of that, I bet I'd get it down mm -hmm. by then and understand how to work the soil and mm -hmm. how to— Predict the weather mm -hmm. and, you know, right. pray for, mm -hmm. you know, good and well. We've mm -hmm. dug those peanuts. Right. But I think mm -hmm. there is, when you talk about a partnership, it is a true partnership that we we get to yeah. hone our skills mm -hmm. and ha learn how God has gifted us mm -hmm. to be in in the places that mm -hmm. we're in. Mm -hmm. We don't get to just go in green mm -hmm. and expect a big no, harvest. Just, and and he has gifted us. Yeah. He has. Okay. We should talk about that. Tell us mm -hmm. more. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you, and this is something that we've been actually working through as a staff, we're going to work through it on staff retreat. The engagement pod went to a conference. We had known about it before then, but went to a conference. You talked about APEST, mm -hmm. which is an acronym, which stands for these offices, callings, language kind of varies in Ephesians 4. So it's apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Mm -hmm. So you wrote all of that on the board. You had this nice little circle diagram. <laughs> I'm sure we'll see that again somewhere. Yeah. We call it a pest. Yeah. We do call it a pest. You may see it. Five Q. Five Q is the technical term, but we everybody calls it a pest. Yeah, it's a catchy little name. It is. One thing to look for when you read Ephesians is sometimes shepherd and 
pastor are interchangeable. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it's, it's harder it, to say apept. Right, but right. so if you're reading it, you could you could Sometimes not understand what, where teachers. the right where the s comes from. But it's mm-hmm. because it's it's translated that way. And sometimes some people um, think pastor teacher is just one person. You know, yeah. sometimes it's also read that way. You know, depending on how you read the text. So, but I'm convinced we're putting the comma. Yeah, I'm convinced there's a comma there. Yeah. Well, and, and if I, you are, I, I see them as functions in the church. You know, there's a functionality to it yeah. because you have some people who who argue they're cessationists. They think some of the spiritual gifts no longer exist. They, and what would you say to they them? They cease to exist. I'm guessing by the fact that our pastor heard from the Holy Spirit on a walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. About what to preach on Sunday, right. we are not. I'm, I'm not in a cessationist. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ahead. I understand that there are people who view those that way. For example, the one that's the most controversial probably is the apostle. Yes. But prophet would not be far behind. No. Um, but, you know, if you want to look at the apostle as this office that is someone who walked with Jesus and is an eyewitness of the resurrection and is one of the original men, so to speak, called out by Jesus, we refer to them as the 12 apostles. Oh, yeah. Well, you talk about it that way. Well, yeah, they all died. Okay. Yeah, so, show me one. <laughs> yeah, show me they're one. Dead. They're dead. Most of them just murdered, <laughs> you know, not they're so dead. long yes. after so, all that. Uh, yeah. But when you also look at how that function continues to exist in the church and how Paul even uses it. He calls himself an apostle. Yeah, he one, calls Junior. Unnaturally born. Yeah, I know. He calls Junior well, yes, an, an apostle. apostle. When you're thinking. Tell me more about that. Okay, I hadn't read about Junia. That yet. sounds like she's a lady. No longer it's Romans 16. Yeah, she's not in the list anywhere in the Gospels. And Paul calls her. Her outstanding among the apostles. Yes. So, um, well, that lets me, at least it gives me the hint of, huh. So, what did Paul mean in Ephesians 4? Here, and think about where Paul is in Ephesians 4. He's in Rome. It's about AD 60. Um, he's in prison um, um, under house arrest, I would probably say is a better way to put it, but regardless. And he's looking out at the future. Okay. And so, and I believe Ephesians is the most general treatise Paul ever wrote. You know, it's not addressing an, um, some type of an incident in a church. It's his take on the church. And y'all were saying um, some of the copies of it are even like to the church at yeah, blank. Like, because it's really, correct. It's generally have, applicable correct. to everybody. You have ancient yeah. manuscripts that don't even have at Ephesus in the actual Greek manuscript. it's just good for everybody. So you could read this anywhere. And of course, it's companion letter to the church at Colossae has also made it a little bit, um, people have just questioned, why are they so similar? But regardless, we're going to spend a whole lot of time in Ephesians next year. We are. But the question is, so when, when, when Paul says in Ephesians 4, Christ has given these people, and that's how I interpret it. These are people. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, I believe are spiritual gifts that the Lord gives to his people. But when I read Ephesians 4, they're listed as people. So these are apostles. These are prophets. These are evangelists. These are shepherds and teachers. Well, okay, well, who are these people? Mm-hmm. And why would he list them that way? Well, I think the reason he does is because they have different tendencies and different abilities, and there are different things that drive them. But I believe you need them all. And I, and I would confess in my ministry lifetime, I've spent more time focused on spiritual gifts for the people of God than I have these leadership, these people in leadership, because that's mm-hmm. kind of how I view them. Yeah. So it has really challenged me over this last few months. I've just been kind of exploring what I really believe about that. You know, well, I'm first of all, I would say I'm absolutely convinced that I am not a cessationist. I believe those people are in the church right now. I believe they've been in the church ever since the church has been birthed. So I believe right now there are apostolic people within the body of Christ. There are prophetic people, prophets in the body of Christ. There are evangelists. There are pastors. There are teachers. And those people, they have tendencies that um, if you put them in a mix together, that can lead the church really well. But the challenge is, as, as Hirsch says and others, once the church gets institutionalized, which that's just inevitable, y'all. There's, there's mm-hmm. All movements be, eventually yeah, become institutions. It, 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 just, it just happens. Some people are going to kind of take over the institution, so to speak. I mean, I think that's just inevitable. So in the church expression, the shepherds and teachers have kind of taken over the institutional side of the church. Think about that. It makes sense. Teachers are protective. 
in terms of making sure we're grounded in Scripture, yeah. we're, we're believing the right things. Well, that's fine. The shepherds are protective over both the people and the institution because they just have a heart for caring. Well, then there's room left for this other, these other people, but they tend to be more marginalized in, in most yeah. settings, particularly institutional settings. You know, you think about right now, Pope uh, Francis has convened this synod in, uh, in Rome. Um, well, I don't know Pope Francis personally. I'm just watching. Pope Francis, to me, is a shepherd. That's what I sense in him. He's not apostolic in some ways. Now, people are wanting him to be. And so people think maybe he really is undercover, more apostolic than we give him credit for being. So, well, this particular synod, you've got a whole bunch of teachers there. You know, these are the cardinals of the church. But there, there are rumors that within that mix of that church, there's some apostolic thinking that they want the church to branch out in some different directions. Now, I may disagree with the theology of what they choose to do, so don't hear me mm -hmm. saying all right. that. But my point is, it's really hard for those apostolic people to even gain a voice anywhere because just, they're just laden with so much structure right. and organization. And the yeah. problem can and, be that they're— they get so impatient with us that they just leave. That's right. Yeah. So the, mm -hmm. the institutional mm -hmm. church, the, the the downtown First Baptist anywhere, mm -hmm. the apes, as you're mm -hmm. calling them, mm -hmm. they just get so frustrated that we won't change quick enough right. or, exactly. or try something new right. or whatever, that they just mm -hmm. go do something else. Yeah. But we now we're living them. in an interesting moment, though, y'all, in my opinion, it's because I've been doing this a long time, <laughs> you know, I would say in my early days as a pastor, okay, and uh, going into the 80s and 90s, we were watching a church planting kind of explosion in America where churches were just getting planted all over the place. And more often than not, the churches that were planted were more kind of contemporary in their expression. In other words, what I mean by that is they had, they had contemporary music was kind of the forefront for them. The, the way they dressed, the way they did things, they have much more informal structures. They tended to be less denominationally focused. It was kind of like this independent community church, if you will, kind of just outpouring. And, and most of the churches that were planted during that era were of that ilk. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, now think about where we are today. We're 2023. Well, that's not a novelty anymore, really, because most, even churches like ours that have been around since 1871, have contemporary expressions, if you will. So it's not like if you say, well, I want to go to one of those new churches, you know, where they have the new music. And I'm not, I'm right. not denigrating that. I'm saying if that's what you say, well, guess what? That's pretty much everywhere. Well, I want to go to one of those churches where you can just show up without a coat and tie. Well, that's pretty much everywhere now. I mean, in other words, the novelty of some of that is just no longer here. Okay, so if you say, well, maybe what we need to do if I'm an, if I'm an apostle— I need, to, I need to go start one of those. Well, actually, those are pretty much everywhere now. And it's estimated that 94% of all church growth in America at this point is actually transfer growth from other churches. Correct. Exactly. They're not actually reaching non-Christians. Not reaching non That's right. So, okay. So the idea of, well, maybe, maybe to revitalize your church, you ought to go plant, just go plant one of those churches. I'm not against church planting. Don't hear really me say that. But yeah. my point is the novelty of that has worn off. Now I think we're looking at institutional churches kind of like ours, realizing they are filled with people, though. And if they're filled with people, Christian people, well, then it stands to reason Christ has given them to us. So that means in First Baptist Arlington, there are shepherds and teachers and evangelists and prophets and apostles. And maybe we should give just a quick little snippet of snippet who of all they what are. that yeah. means. What does it mean? Are these prophets going to stand up one day and tell us the future? Here yeah, is what is going shepherd, to happen to Israel. I think, yeah, yeah tell us. Uh, you, you've you done the shepherd teacher pretty well, yeah. I think. I think people understand yeah. the nature of pa mm -hmm. pastor shepherding right. and then the, te and the teacher. The teacher, but it, but mm -hmm. I'd say the teacher, uh, we know that they teach, but also their passion would be right theology. Correct. Right doctrine. Right doctrine. Kurt Grice sitting down and writing Correct. our nine foundational truths and yes. our core beliefs. Yes. That is That's, the teaching got it. function. Yeah. And that but is it's his a, primary gift. Right. It is. Shock. <laughs> yeah, but also with some context, Kurt's secondary gift, which is still quite high, is apostle. That's right, and that makes sense with his eras of youth ministry mm -hmm. and how successful and innovative mm -hmm. those were, and mm -hmm. just his Kurt's not—he doesn't balk at trying new things. That's and correct. you know, there's a part of that that you want to give mm -hmm. Kurt credit for too. Yeah. Surprise, surprise! Our engagement team is very highly apostle. Not oriented. me. 
Except for Kitty. <laughs> Kitty's keeping us grounded. Comes in with the shepherd's crew. Uh, yeah, no, it's important that I'm also in the room. Mm-hmm. So, but if you think reason, about yeah. apostles, uh, what? Yeah, that's probably the most. Let's talk about that. Later. Yeah. So, I know we get kind of antsy around that word mm-hmm. as we talked about. So, in Greek, mm-hmm. apostle just means sent mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. If we were to then translate the Bible into Latin, which is what happened, mm-hmm. we kept apostle from the Greek and we just transliterated mm-hmm. it. In Latin, they translated it as missio. Mm-hmm. Which we, you know, we then carry that word forward as mission, missionary. missionary. Right. right. So we're not we're not as scared as that, of that word. No. We're pretty so comfortable with when that. When you one. think about apostles in your church, think about people who have that mission impulse. Mm-hmm. They're wanting to move the church forward to kind of find those that next wave of people we need to reach, that next yeah. wave of innovation we need to have yeah. to kind of keep this thing moving mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the right direction. It's they're the people who are kind of preserving that scent identity of the church in the world. Which I think and, in an institution like ours, it is kind of innovation. Mm-hmm. What's yeah. next? What's new? Correct. Right. And not just new leave, for the sake of and new. And they don't have to leave the church to live that out. No. But sometimes they feel like they do. Correct. Yeah. So you'll find that in the Western church today, a lot of— Because we're not going to move quick enough. Right. A lot of apostles are out in parachurch yeah. ministries because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. they can move faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. More nimble. Yeah. And, and also— it's almost as if we look at that as a blessing. Man, we're so glad we have those people, you know, because they're doing really great things. Yeah. But we need them Out there. in the church. Yeah. yeah. And that's the hard that's, that's the correct. hard part. Yeah. I think the prophet is one also that's misunderstood. It's the idea that, you know, these people are going to stand in front of us and and foretell, forecast. Right. Yeah, you know? it's not. Yep. But you have some of that. I mean, obviously, in the Bible, these people yeah. did that. And but, I don't want to denigrate that. Right, there's. And, and there's something to it. Yeah. No. And we have someone on our staff who occasionally has come up to me and said, the Holy Spirit revealed to me in a dream that we need to do this. Mm-hmm. And because of that person's maturity, I tend to mm-hmm. pay Absolutely. attention to that. I completely believe Before in Before doing the, this inventory or test, I thought Ashley Berryhill's leading edge was prophet because she has that in her. Mm-hmm. Ashley will come into a meeting with a vision. Mm-hmm. I mean, like a, I have to help her translate it into words. Correct. She has an impulse, right. a sense of things, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. a often about the heart of God, something yeah, about the heart of God. So prophets are really about keeping us in line with God's heart, mm-hmm. um, but they also tend to have an orientation towards justice and yeah. making Much sure like we're actually living correctly the in the in world. The I was about to say, and there you have and, yeah. and when you read the prophets in the Scripture, it's interesting. It's not like when those prophets spoke that everybody listened to them and said, well, they're not talking to us. They're talking about something that's coming in the future. No, they were preachers. They were speaking yeah. to their generation directly. Yes. I mean, what I'm some yes. of the minor prophets I'm so, thinking of. Yes. Yeah. So it was. It's as Luke just said. They're lining you up with the heart of God. Well, think about it. The church obviously needs to be connected to the heart of God. Yeah, and you need. To, and we need to make space justice, for that. Yeah. But so, I think confessionally, as a shepherd, sometimes that's that spooks me a little bit. It does sure. because I think what in our readings, like the worst thing, or maybe it's just my own palate. The very worst thing you can have is an immature prophet. Correct. Somebody who's, you know, trying to draw us to the heart of God yes. or saying, I have a vision or God oh, yeah. told me. Yeah. And, yeah. You, and I'm sitting, you know, I'm sitting there mm-hmm. thinking, okay, mm-hmm. prove it. But I think that's true for all of these is that immaturity, maturity, mm-hmm. just like in all things, the mm-hmm. usual, an immature sure. apostle is going to be mm-hmm. brazen mm-hmm. and burning people and trying to just barrel forward. An immature prophet's going to get on stage and grab the mic and. God say told, something God that may be us. right, but yeah. say it in just the wrong way. Right. Evangelists being the same way. And I think when you talk manipulate. about it, I think when you talk about evangelists too, because it's not just someone who is on the street corner, right, winning people to Jesus yeah. in a three-second. No, these are people who are forming a bridge between lost people and the church. Mm-hmm. I think about my wife is. Her, it's very, actually very secondary. Comfortable. She's very comfortable with lost people. And so it's I think Kara Milton is an yeah. evangelist. Yes. And there's people She's who a, are talking to lost people and feel very open and comfortable about talking about faith. You know, mm-hmm. my wife will tell me about conversations she's had with her coworkers or friends of other religions and just, you know, mm-hmm. got into a conversation about a Hindu view of karma and then talked about the Christian view of judgment. Mm-hmm. I'm just like— you're out there and just yeah, just killing it. Talking about the judgment yeah. of God, yeah, right, <laughs> at a water park. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan has a lot of that. Ryan's a gatherer. Mm-hmm. He he's social, but and anyway, that's not. A, I, I, I don't Connor, make a I don't want to make a podcast about Ryan, but yeah. Ryan has it in him as well. I think he does. Yeah. Toriyama to me has that. It it, it kind of yeah. manifests itself a little differently in different yeah. people. Yeah, and that's yeah. why I don't want you what you the listener 
to yeah. get um, too narrow a view of what an evangelist could be because mm-hmm. you could actually be an evangelist, but you're like, I'm not Gary Stidham. Well, yeah. no, but you, might Billy be, Graham. Yeah. but you might be a gatherer. You right. know, you might be someone who you find yourself hosting the parties and everybody's mm-hmm. there. And, right. and you're the bridge you're between the, bridge. the church and the world. But if it's only you, you could mm-hmm. see the pitfall of that. Mm-hmm. If it's only a shepherd, you could see mm-hmm. the pitfall of that. Yeah. And that's where the real beauty right. of us all doing it together, D-Dub. Yeah, and so, so Rittner is where I first saw the little circle. And that's Positively Irritating. Yeah. That's, Great did book. I say that right? Positively yeah. Irritating. Yes. That's right. his book, yeah. And so, you know, where he draws that little circle, first time I saw it, I, I was read an article by him where he was arguing for the validity of all of this, you know, and he, and he used, um, I, don't, I haven't found it in his book yet because I haven't finished it, but in, in the article I read, he was talking about his study of English in college where one of his teachers drew this circle on the board to teach them how prepositions work. So like to and from and unto and beyond and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And he said that circle just showed kind of the quote unquote health and breadth of the English language, if you will. And he said, as he was studying all this, that's where that came to his mind, at least the idea that the you've got the evangelists bringing people into the church. You've got the prophets keeping the church connected to God's heart. You've got the teacher keeping the church right. connected to the word of God. You've got the apostle who's kind of pushing the church forward. And in the middle of it all. Somebody's got to be in the middle of it all. And it's the shepherds keeping us connected and loved. Yeah. And Yeah, that probably spoke to me as much as anything. Um, well, and, hopefully it's validating. And, yeah. Not that you just yeah. went and found what you wanted to hear. No, but, but I, it I, makes sense yeah, to you that I, you hold all this together. I resonate greatly with it because I'm, I know I have the heart of a shepherd. But I also know that I have apostolic tendencies, and uh, and I'm a, I'm a strong teacher. Um. So, but I I recognize the value of all of these and how important they are, and and I think that in this next era, as I said Sunday morning, we're going to have to let the apes loose because we're 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 losing ground in our culture, and it's the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists who have the most connection to the answers, in my opinion, <laughs> that, that God tends yeah. to bring. I mean, you look at Paul. I mean, there's no question Paul had apostolic gifts and evangelistic gifts, um, but he's a great teacher, you know. But his strength in ministry was not just his pastoring and shepherding. It was new frontiers, you know. It was exploring and, you know, and and being willing to— I mean, like I was reading this morning, you know, he's in Ephesus— and he's trying the synagogue. Okay, and I'm just trying to put myself in Paul's shoes. Obviously, he's a, a, a familiar and feels very comfortable, you know, in a, in a synagogue. My goodness, the guy's a Pharisee, you know. Mm-hmm. And it says he's there in Ephesus, and it's just not working. And he moves to this lecture hall that some Greek guy owns. And I'm thinking, well, there's an apostle for you, you know, just like, okay, I tell you what, we're going to take this thing somewhere else. We're going to take it outside. Matter of fact, we're going to take it where the pagans are, you know. And the Christians went with him. <laughs> you know, so there's this apostolic edge to Paul that worked, you know. And um, and I just felt myself even convicted this very morning, just reading my daily Bible reading in the book of Acts about, okay, so what does that mean to First Baptist Arlington? You know, how do we how do we experiment at the right level in the right way without totally destroying the organization itself? You know, because you've got to have some dexterity to pull that off. You've also got to have some social leadership capital and trust in order for that to be effective, in my opinion. And so that's why I tried to say Sunday morning when I laid out the groundwork, I wanted to I wanted to start positively and, and like I said, embrace our partnerships, our context, and look at it. There's some stability here, y'all. We're not just starting from scratch. That was kind of the rationale there. Yeah. And that's the shepherd's heart in me. But then once you put in front of the church all the isms, you know, and then my question, what do y'all think we ought to do? And I don't know if y'all remember this or not. And I said, I think we ought to just keep doing what we're doing. Well, obviously, that's a facetious statement. And, and pretty much everybody resonated with that. The, the collective sense in the room was, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is not no. enough. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can't just keep what we're doing. Right. Well, obviously, we can't. So where do we start the experimentation? And that's where I want to invite the church in. Where do we do that? I think table groups is already one example of that, Luke. It's an experiment. You know, when y'all first came to me with that idea, I thought, mm, some of, part of us, I didn't understand it. And second of all, I was like, mm, I'm just not sure about our people. You know, we're Sunday school Fair. people. <laughs> I don't know. Talk to me more about, tell me more. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so as as I've listened and, and I'm watching and I'm hearing from people, 
Um, well, it, it it's beginning to me to to prove to be a viable experiment. You know, yeah. now we haven't had any one of them have their big party yet. We're not oh, that far into the coming. experiment. They've just been meeting together. No, it's the beginning um, of it. And we say experiment. Uh, I want mm-hmm. everyone listening to know there's like, you'll never probably read this. There's a 30 page document that lines out. The, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, yeah. But it's, rationale. A, it's a pilot. It is yeah, a pilot. It's a pilot. That's a better way. Yeah. To we didn't pilot. just like walk right. up and say, yes. we have an idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's much more substantive than yeah, that. It's and been which tested is, a little which bit. Which is good. But you, there are other, maybe we call them pilots going on around there the are. church. The youth ministry is trying an alpha curriculum, Correct. which is a bring your friends. Let's have which real, shout out. real faith conversations. Like 40 plus guests this semester alone. You've got Brian Sepulveda, who arguably, when you think of senior adult ministry, you're like, that's on autopilot, not mm-hmm. pilot anything. Mm-hmm. Brian's trying to figure out how we, particularly at Murata Pantico, which I know we have a lot of people there, how we bring church to them. Mm-hmm. And the other night had 21, the place only has 100 residents, 112 residents, whatever it is. 21 of them met to watch our service right. and be shepherded. Attended in that. church at First Baptist Arlington. And yeah. the table group and is going to go there to trick-or-treat yeah. and stay at home moms. So it's, and... it's popping up. Mm-hmm. It's not just right. table groups. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, in the, it's in the air yeah. and our church. Mm-hmm. And so that's where when we talk about experimentation mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, piloting. Piloting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, experimentation is true, but piloting makes it sound like we thought it through a little more, which we did. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's in the air. It and is. it's And that's where I'm hopeful that, you know, change. Mm-hmm. We've been mm-hmm. talking about, thinking about, COVID mm-hmm. k- killed a lot of things that don't need to bring be brought back. Mm-hmm. We actually mm-hmm. have a great kind of soil for mm-hmm. experimentation and piloting. We you know, so, it's already in the and air. And to me, that partnership conversation actually was a part of that as well, Katie. <clears throat> you know, this church started the apartment church ministry in Arlington. Well, that was a pilot experiment. You know, if you go back and research yeah, it when yeah. we started Mission Arlington, um, the original idea from Dr. Wade was to start churches and take Bible studies actually into the apartment complexes. Well, at the time, the state of, the, the convention of Texas, Texas Baptist Convention, had this project called the Key Church Project where the convention would actually give you financial resources to, to start churches, and key churches, starting churches. So Charles presented this idea to the convention and said, would you help us pay the salary of someone to help us launch this? Well, the BGCT looked at it and said, uh, what is it? What is it again? And he said, well, we're going to start Bible studies in these apartment complexes because that's the largest unreached, unchurched population in America. Transitory, a lot of reasons for it. Again, the convention looked at it and said, uh, now, now what is it that y'all are actually going to do? And Charles was we're going to go start Bible studies in these apartment complexes. Yeah, unchurched areas. Would you be willing to help us? Well, finally, after lots of conversation and convincing, because here's the way it worked. The convention would give you this much money the first year, reduce it the next year, reduce it the next year. And by the fifth year, and taper you, had to, you had to have this Not person him. fully funded. That's how we launched with Tilly Bergen on our mm-hmm. staff was with the BGCT offering the first salvo, if you will. But Charles had to convince them this was because they were saying, but are these churches? I mean, are you pl- what is it again? Yeah, this doing? grants for church you know? planting. Okay. So, well, that was an innovative kind of apostolic kind yeah. of thing. Okay. So here we are now. I wonder what Charles uh, Wade's APEST is. <laughs> well, we've got, I'm going yeah. to make him take it. <laughs> well, we've got 354 of them now. Okay. Yeah. Well, then we decided, well, let's just, let's figure out how we can get more personally involved in the world, more personally connected to the Great Commission. So then we become a sending church. Well, now we're partnering with indigenous partners that we would have never known, we'd never had any connection with, mm-hmm. had we not made those decisions to experiment, sending. And so now here we are. And that's why I wanted to say Sunday morning, okay, you've already done some of this. We've done some of this, and it's working in multiple places. This so, wouldn't be the first time we kind of right. yeah. so do what? something new. Yeah. So I'm very excited about it. I'm burdened. You know, my wife asked me the other day, because when I said, this was what kind of stopped Cindy, when I said, Okay, so are we are we going to have a church for these babies when they become adults? And, you know, my wife was like, what kind of question is that? Did you not know that Jesus said, I will establish <laughs> yeah. my church like, in the gates of hell when I said, okay, I'm not, I'm not, I can, I can I'm, picture I'm not talking about that. Yep. She said, but then her follow-up question was, well, are you, are you worried about this? I said, you know, I'm not worried. That's not the right word. I'm burdened. But I believe it's a holy burden. And I just wanted... Sunday morning to invite our church into that burden. It's good. And let's bear the burden together mm. and find our together. way through it. Correct. 
of it. So that's kind of what I'd say. Well, to be continued. There's so much right? more we could talk yeah, about, but I think, I think we're we have will. Time. I bet mm-hmm. we will. We do mm-hmm. this every week. Mm-hmm. So next Sunday you're going to have Ryan Chandler though, because Ryan <gasps> is going to preach a message. We'll on have to think about news. what we want to do in here. I'm going to be at North Davis Church of Christ preaching on patience. Patience. Mm-hmm. That's my assignment. I think we God, have to scrub I up think an God could use that as well. Mm-hmm. Ryan so. can take my place. Or mine. We'll figure it out. No, no, y'all, y'all just need to interview Ryan next week. He's the preacher. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> but, uh, okay, we'll figure it out. We will. Tune in and we'll tell you what we did. Thanks for being here, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.